Well, I can see you now. You're driving down the street. You have just been to your daughter's school. You've picked her up after school. You're driving home, and how old is she now? She's just 10 or 11, 12 years old. She's she's young, such a sweet girl. And she gets in the car, and you say, sweetie, how was your day? And she gives you a little bit of feedback on that. And then there's a little brief silence as you're driving on your way home. And then she says, as you're driving and paying attention to the road, hey, mom, you know, what is sex? Well, mom, what are you going to say? <laughs> well, at that moment, what are you going to say? Excuse me, honey, I'm driving. Just uh, give me a little time. We'll, we'll talk about it later, okay? Or, or, or maybe your answer is, well, uh, you know, um, Dad could really help us. He could really explain things better than I could. And, well, this is real life, isn't it? I mean, this is what happens. In fact, be glad that your daughter asked you because your daughter just went to school and heard a great deal of, well, remember that term that's out there right now, misinformation. They need to be talking to you, parents. And now let me ask you, how would you respond to that question? How would you, let's say, define sex and what it's really all about? Now, we tend to go toward sexual expressions, but I think we need an overriding idea, definition of what sex is. And for the believer, we formulate our definition based on what the Word of God says. Now, a number of years ago, quite a few years ago now, I had to come up with a definition as I shared a book, wrote a book uh, for parents to encourage parents to teach their children a biblical view of sex. And here's the definition I came up with. You be a Berean, you analyze this, but consider this. Here is what I determined. Sex is God's gift, good gift, to a married couple for their enjoyment and for having children. Let me repeat that, and then just run it through your grid. Think about it biblically. Sex is God's good gift to a married couple for their enjoyment and for having children. Now, you can take that a step further. Sex is a wedding present filled with delights that last a lifetime. It's, a, it's communication between a couple that can produce another person. It is a sacred union made possible by divine design. Let me tear this definition apart, and again, you consider this in light of what the Word of God says. The first part of this, sex is God's gift. It's God's idea. Now, this is as important now as it's ever been. When it comes to sex, God is the author. He's the creator. He's the designer. It's his, let's just say, invention. He built the first prototype and made sure it worked just the way it should, the original is still available. It's not been lost. It's not been improved upon. It's the original that we as parents need to teach our children. God's patent on sex cannot be found in Washington, D.C., but it can be studied in the book of Genesis. There we read that when God created people, he gave them bodies that complemented each other. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1 Verse 27. Now, we live in a day in which the enemy has attacked this. 
the enemy who then would attack Adam and Eve and create the mess that we're in right now is now going a step further and challenging the statement I just read from the Word of God. Male and female, he created them. We live in a culture where in a matter of the last couple of years, people are now challenging that biblical reality, that practical reality, that biological reality. He could have created a single sex species that reproduced after itself. In fact, when you look at creation, you can see other forms of life that reproduce without sexual union. But God didn't choose to make us that way. Instead, he created a man and a woman to join their flesh perfectly in a face-to-face oneness that defies comparison. So let me ask you, especially if your child's a teenager, does your child appreciate the significance of God being the creator of sex? Does your child understand that God's word is the owner's manual from the one who made us as sexual beings? Does he or she see God as the author of physical intimacy? Now, here is one way that you might be able to communicate this idea to a young person today, using a comparison that they can relate to. Okay, so you're saying to your son, hey, if you had trouble writing a program for your computer, to whom would you turn for help? Would you ask me for help? Probably not, since I don't know a whole lot about computers. Would you ask a friend who tried to write the same program but failed? What if you could talk to the person who made the computer, created the computer's language, wrote a program like the one you're working on? Would you expect him to to have the answers? Apply the same line of thinking when it comes to sex. Who made it? Who designed it? The answer is God did. So doesn't it make a lot of sense that we look to what he has to say? And trust him, since he is the designer of all this? Now, there's a second aspect to that definition. It is sex is God's idea, but also sex is good. God's good gift. Let's talk about the good part. Now, some parents hesitate to tell their children that sex is, well, it's good. It's something to be enjoyed. They fear their words will tempt their child. But there's nothing a parent can say that will tempt a child more than what he sees on television, what is seen on the Internet, what is seen just walking through the local mall. Now, communicating uh, sex is a good thing does not mean we offer seductive details. Rather, it's we're presenting sex truthfully, placing it in its proper context. Be very careful, be very careful not to communicate a negative impression of sex. That feeds the enemy's agenda, trying to label us as out of touch, not willing to face uh, realities. Reality is sex is a good thing to be enjoyed. Now, the rest of the definition places it in the important context. Some people's sexual experience has been warped by their parents' negativism. Now, I'm going to read a letter that I received, and it's rather extreme, but it illustrates my point. And here's how the letter goes. It's kind of graphic. Let me warn you in advance. From the time I was a tiny child, my mother often warned me, never let them see your body, not anyone, under any circumstances. By the way, certainly we need to be cautioning our children in a day like ours especially. But this goes on. One day when I was six years old and my brother was eight, my parents left us on the farm while they drove to a town some distance away to get some groceries. Toward the end of the two hours, my brother began to plead with me to let him see my body, and he would let me see his. 
After resisting for a while, I finally gave in to his urging. We stood about eight feet apart as stiff as wooden soldiers. Then we dressed quickly in case our parents should drive up. When my mother noticed I was very quiet and depressed, she questioned me, and I told her the whole story. My father beat my brother with a heavy leather belt, making great welts and bruises on his legs. I could hear him screaming from behind the barn. I thought my father would never stop lashing him. I I felt so sad. I lay down on my bed and just cried into my pillow. My mother came in to talk to me. She was very angry, but I believe she was telling me what she believed. She said that men and women who took their clothes off and forgot all about trying to be good were the worst kind of sinners in God's sight, and this was the unpardonable sin God would never forgive. She said my brother and I had come close to committing this sin, and it might be a long time before God would forgive and love us again. She told me that a man and a woman needed to be married, and it was still wrong unless they wanted to have a baby. This story is tragic, and I think you'll agree with me, that people could have such a distorted view of sexuality and then to have two kids who are young and who are curious and do something like that to make it into such a big issue and to make it so negative and honestly to speak far from biblical truth, no biblical reality in what this mother said to her daughter. This dear woman later here wrote me this letter. She knows now that her parents' view was unbiblical, it was distorted, and it was deeply disturbing to say the least. But she lived with her parents for a long time. Now she's married. And she admitted in her letter she wrote to me that in some ways she still struggles in terms of her perspective because that which was etched into her thinking at a young age. Now there's a positive side, and this is what you want to embrace. On the positive side, I know a man, happened to be a pastor, he had three daughters. And he was very open in discussing sex with them, recognizing that mom probably should take the lead in many ways, but that he would endorse that sex was a wonderful gift from God. Whenever he talked about it, he would do so in a very wholesome way, a very discreet way. It's always important. A week before his oldest daughter's wedding, he took her out for dinner, and he encouraged her to enjoy this marvelous gift of marital love. He knew she already believed sex was good, and he wanted her to enjoy it thoroughly, and he released her in many ways from his protection into the hands, the protection of her husband, who would also be the one she would share an intimate relationship with. Do you want your child to enjoy sex with his or her spouse? What you have to say in the formative years is vitally important. God wants them to enjoy this relationship, and so should you. As married adults, your children will reap fulfillment in this area from the seeds you plant, the biblical truth you plant in this area of life, into their minds in the early years. And so we have seen that sex is God's idea, and sex is a good thing. God created sex before the fall. We also need to see that it is God's good gift. Now, what do we mean by gift? God's Word teaches us that sex as a gift accompanies marriage. Comparing singleness with marriage, Paul wrote, quote, Each man should have his own gift from God. One has this gift, another that. 
and he's talking about whether or not you have the gift of marriage or, and with that, sexual union, or the gift of singleness and celibacy. Impressing upon our children that sex is a gift has several advantages. When we recognize it as a gift, you make a positive statement. It's a gift. It's not a curse. A gift is something given. It's not taken. To take a gift before it has been given robs the giver. We use gifts to make special to mark special occasions. As such, the wedding night is marked by unwrapping the gift of union and consummating the relationships actually. If I were talking to my adolescent or teenage son, I would say something like this. I would say, son, look, God created sex. He knows what he's doing. It's, it's a good thing. It is something that he classifies as really a gift. It's a gift that he wants you to enjoy, but he knows you can enjoy it to the maximum, to the fullest, when you are entering into a marriage relationship, and so it becomes a gift that you and your bride can enjoy together. And that's why God says to wait. Wait until you can really experience all he intends for marital love.